Good evening. We are glad you're here tonight. Thank you, Jordan, for reading our scripture tonight. Appreciate so much your presence tonight. We're always grateful for the opportunity to be together. It's been a beautiful day, and it has been a Sunday day, and for that, we're grateful. Hope you had a great afternoon. Hope you were able to get some rest, maybe some exercise, and you're back ready to go tonight. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 22 in our study tonight as we think about the testing of Abraham. I want you to think about your faith for a minute. And then ask yourself this question. Has your faith been tested? You know, in the first century, when you read about the New Testament church, one of the things that stands out in my mind is the fact that many of those people who lived in the apostolic age, their faith was tested by fire. Peter, you remember, in 1 Peter chapter 1, talks about the testing of their faith. Well, Abraham was a man of God. The Bible tells us that he was tested by God. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment or two. I do want to mention very quickly how much we appreciate Jared and Tyler and those who work with the young folks every, what, once a month, twice a month? Twice singing and teaching them, and it's amazing to listen to them and to watch them, to observe. These guys are like sponges, and they learn so much, and so it's amazing what they're learning, and we appreciate that. And our goal, our prayer is, these young, young fellows will rise up and that they will be great people of faith one day. So we appreciate all the efforts taking place in that respect. Look with me tonight in Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, as we think about the testing of Abraham. I want to just very quickly mention something as we begin our lesson tonight. You remember last week in our study, we looked at Genesis chapter 3. We talked about the creation of the world and mankind, how God made us in His own image and likeness. In chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Chapter 3, as we noted last week, is a record of the fall of man. In chapter 3, verse 15, we are introduced to the promised seed. We have a link with regard to the promised seed and Abraham. Abraham is a very important biblical character. I know Jared mentioned Wednesday night in our Bible study and in our devotional period, there's really so much information contained in every book of the Bible. And really, it would be great if we could look at every single chapter. We just don't have that time. But it may be the case that next year we look again at some of the great chapters of Scripture. It would be great if we had the opportunity to look at chapter 4 and chapter 6, chapter 12. Tonight we look at Genesis chapter 22. As you think about the children of Israel and their purpose in the mind of God... God had said to Abraham in chapter 12 that he was to leave his homeland. And you remember God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and bless you. And I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. And he said, I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. Then in verse 3, God said, In you shall all families or all nations of the earth be blessed. In other words, through your posterity, 
the world would enjoy tremendous blessings. Now, the promise made to Abraham, as recorded by Moses in Genesis chapter 12, the primary fulfillment of that promise was realized in Christ. Because you remember in Galatians chapter 3, Paul talks about those who are baptized into Christ, they have put on Christ. And he said it's in that context, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. He said you're all one in Christ. And then he said, and if you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Well, what promise? The promise that had been made 2,000 years earlier to Abraham, a man of whom the record says was known as the friend of God. So God had made a promise to this great patriarch that through his lineage, the world would be blessed. That was a spiritual promise, wasn't it? Abraham was 75 years of age. Now we come to chapter 22. Abraham is an old man. And you remember at the age of 100, Abraham had a child, didn't he? A son of promise. Young man by the name of Isaac. Well, in Genesis chapter 22, we have the test of Abraham. Listen now to the record. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you of. The location of Moriah would have been what we would call Jerusalem. The text tells us in verse 3, that Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, let's just talk for a minute or two about the challenge to his faith. Imagine, if you can, God telling Abraham, a man that waited 25 years for his own flesh and blood, so to speak, biological descendant between him and Sarah, and God says, now I want you to take that son and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. It's really hard to fathom, isn't it? It involved two things here. First, the son, and secondly, his seed line. God had promised that through the seed line of Abraham, the Christ, the promised seed of Genesis 3.15, would emerge. Go back with me, historically speaking, for a moment. Look, if you would, at chapter 15. In chapter 15, God had said to Abram in the long ago, Do not be afraid. I am your shield and exceedingly great reward. Look at verse 2. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Look, 
You've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is heir. And then the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then God took Abraham outside. And he said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said, so shall your descendants be. Now you remember, wouldn't be much later, that Abraham and Sarah would try to help God out. And so they get a concubine, a woman by the name of Hagar. And she has a child by the name of Ishmael. All that did was muddy the waters. God didn't need Abraham and Sarah's help in bringing this promise to fruition. God has said, look, the one that will come forth from your own body will be the heir. That heir would come from Abraham and Sarah. So now turn with me to chapter 17, if you would. Over in chapter 17... God said to Abraham in the long ago, look at verse 15. He said, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. And I'll bless her and also give you a son by, by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a son? I mentioned a moment ago Ishmael. The fact that Abraham and Sarah used Hagar to bring about the birth of a child. The one through whom they thought this promise would be accomplished. Listen now to Abraham. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. You got it all wrong, Abraham. You need to understand something. The heir, the one through whom this seed line will emerge, is not Ishmael. But rather, it's going to be through your child, Isaac. Listen again. Note, if you would, verse 19. God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. So God has made this remarkable promise to Abraham. Now you think about the challenge to his faith. We're talking about his son and his seed line. But then what about the cost to his faith. Now imagine if you can put yourself in Abraham's shoes. You waited for 25 years to have a child, a child by the name of Isaac. You're an old man. Your wife is old. And you have this child that God has promised you. And now God's saying to you, I want you to take that child, the one that I told you, you would bring forth into this world, and I want you to now offer him as a burnt offering to me. What are you talking about, Lord? 
And you think about, think for a minute about Isaac. Don't you imagine in the mind of Abraham, this was an incomparable cost. Really, it was incalculable. This is, this is the child that the two of them have brought into the world. Matter of fact, the record says, I want you to take your son, your only son, listen to him, whom you love. How much do you love your children? Would you say that the love that you have for your child is incomparable? Anyone else on earth that you love as much as your child? Would you say that the love that you have for your child is incalculable? I mean, can you put a monetary value on your child? Can't do it, can you? And God is saying to Abraham, this great patriarch of the past, I want you to take your son, your only son, to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to me. How would you have responded? Let's think, secondly, about the trust of Abraham. How much do you think Abraham trusted God? How much do you trust God? We talk a lot about trust and faith, our reliance upon the Lord. Solomon said many years ago, trust in the Lord, listen to him, with all your heart. And lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Remember Job? Job faced a whirlwind of trials. Lost his children, seven sons, three daughters. Lost a great deal of his wealth, his servants. The record says he also lost his health. His wife. You remember her, Mrs. Job? Curse God and die. And yet, in Job 13, 15, the record indicates, Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. How much do you trust God? How much do you trust God? Don't you think that Abraham had to have immense trust in Almighty God? So let's talk about the road to offering Isaac as a sacrifice. What would that have required? What would that have entailed? Could I submit to you, it required a deep faith in God. And not just a deep faith in God, but a devoted faith in God. Do you trust God? Come what may, I mean, do you put your trust in God no matter what's going on in your life? Whether good, bad, indifferent, whatever the case, is your trust solely in God? Listen again to what the record says. Take your son, Abraham, your only son, whom you love, and offer him there as a burnt offering. Note, if you would, verse 3. Abraham rose early in the morning. What does that say about his faith? 
He acted upon it, didn't he? Immediate faith. The text goes on to say, saddled his donkey, took two young men with him, Isaac his son, split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So you have the road to offering Isaac as a sacrifice, and then what about his readiness? Would you say Abraham was willing to offer this child of promise to God? I mentioned a moment ago the faith of Abraham. The depth of his faith and the devotion of his faith. In the Hebrew letter, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible provides us with a glimpse into the faith and obedience of this man identified as the friend of God. The writer said, By faith Abraham offered Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac, shall your seed be called. Now that's a quotation going back to Genesis chapter 21, verse 12. The record goes on to say, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Now think about that. Abraham had incredible faith. His faith in God was such, in his heart of hearts he believed, that if he had put this young child to death, Isaac would have probably been at this time maybe 25, 30 years of age. But nonetheless, had he put him to death, God would have raised him from the dead. Now, I mentioned his readiness couple of thoughts here. Abraham prepared to sacrifice Isaac, and he planned to sacrifice Isaac. The two go hand in hand. Verse 4, On the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Let me just very quickly inject something. There are some who have this idea that all of life consists of worship. That's not the case. Worship has a beginning and an ending. Moses bears that out in this account. We enter, as the sign says from time to time, to worship, we leave to serve. We come together, we engage in acts of worship. Now you think about Abraham. He split the wood. He's got everything ready to offer his son Isaac, the one of whom the Hebrew writer said was his only begotten son, the only one of his kind. All right. He's made preparation. He is planning to give this child as a burnt offering. How much planning goes into 
your worship? How much preparation goes into your worship on a weekly basis? You know, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we have a tendency to come and go and really to punch a clock. I remember when I was a teenager, I worked at Coca-Cola. And I worked in the loading department. So when I would come in into the building, I had a time card. And I'd walk over, take my time card with my name on it. I'd punch the card. I'd punch in. When I got ready to leave, I'd go over. I'd take that card and I'd punch out. If we're not careful, that's how worship can become to us. We punch in, we punch out. We go through the motions, but we don't plan and prepare to come together on the first day of the week and to lift our voices in praise to God, to pray to Him, corporately speaking, to listen attentively as God's Word is being proclaimed. It takes focus, doesn't it? You know, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can, stay, we can stay up late on Saturday night, get up late Sunday morning, get here halfway through Bible class, barely stay awake through worship. That's not planning and preparing for worship, is it? You know, we talk about giving God our best. Think about Abraham. Abraham, I want you to offer your son, your only son whom you love, as a burnt offering. You mean to tell me, God, you're asking me to give my very best? That's exactly right. What does God ask from us? To give our very best. Are we giving God the best or the crumbs? Read the book of Malachi sometime. People in Malachi's day were simply going through the motions. And God chided them for that. So you think about Abraham has everything in order. Look now, if you would, at verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. He said, Here I am, my son. And he said, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? How would you have answered that? You know, got everything ready for the sacrifice. Just the two of us. We got everything in order, but what about the lamb? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Look at verse 10. Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. I believe the angel of the Lord here was the second member of the Godhead, the Christ. So here we have an Old Testament account of the second member of the Godhead speaking to Abraham, the one in whom the promises would ultimately be realized. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, 
Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. I had a friend of mine that said one time with regard to this verse, he said, I believe that the angel of the Lord called his name twice to get his attention because Abraham was that intent on slaying his son. That's faith. That's not just faith, that is faith and obedience. That's what God asked, wasn't it? And so God said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Quite a story, isn't it? Not just a story, but something that really happened. In the life of one of the most illustrious patriarchs that we will read about in Scripture. What a man of faith. So we think about the test of Abraham, the trust of Abraham. Note, if you would, again, very quickly, the angel said, For now I know that you fear God. Since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me, Are you giving God your absolute best? Is there anything that you are withholding from God? Anything that would come between you and your relationship to God? So what about the triumph of Abraham? Note, if you would, the provision. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will, prov will provide, Jehovah-Jireh. And it is said this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Think for a minute about the provision of the Lord. This ram became the substitute for Isaac. In Genesis chapter 22, in many ways, this is a type of the sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God. God gave His very best for us, didn't He? And you think about the sacrifice that Abraham offered in lieu of his son. You and I today are blessed because of the vicarious suffering and death of Jesus. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, that Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit. We would be without any hope were it not for Jesus Christ, wouldn't we? Didn't Paul say in Romans chapter 8, God who spared not His own Son, but freely gave Him up for us all. And then think about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, only one of His kind, the uniqueness of the God-man, the one we know as Jesus. 
So there was a provision and then a promise. Note, if you would, verse 15, the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. In blessing I will bless you. In multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. Exactly what God had said back in Genesis chapter 15. He said, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of your enemies. In your seed, we talked about the sun and the seed line. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. How's that apply to us today? When you demonstrate an obedient faith, you become an heir of the promise made to Abraham, listen to him, 4,000 years ago. 2000 B.C. God made a promise. In you shall all families, all nations of the earth be blessed. And God now is saying to Abraham, look, I'm going to bless your descendants. So when you're baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, you become an heir to the promise that was made 4,000 years ago. And you become a rich recipient of all the blessings and favors of Almighty God. You know who God blesses? God blesses people who demonstrate an obedient faith, an operative faith, an active faith. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, and I mentioned a moment ago in verse 17 and following, Abraham. When you begin to read that record, you'll see two things stand out. Number one, they demonstrated faith. Number two, they demonstrated obedience. Why? Because they go hand in hand. If you want to be blessed in this life, if you want the favor of God to shine upon you, then you've got to demonstrate an obedient faith. I can only imagine the questions that were circling in the mind of Abraham when God said, I want you to take your son, your only son, and offer him. Sometimes we question, why did God ask us to do this or do that? We need faith and obedience. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Would you act upon that, repent of your sins, confess His name, and be immersed in water? You know, the Bible tells us when we're baptized into Christ, we enjoy the forgiveness, the remission of sins. God then puts us in the church. We become the recipient of all those blessings we talked about. As Paul said, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Once you get in the kingdom of God, you enjoy equal status, spiritually speaking, don't you? Redemption through the blood of Jesus. If you're here tonight, and let's just say you're here and you're not faithful to His cause and you want to come home, you want to be restored, would you not take that step of faith, make things right with a loving God? He will abundantly pardon, 1 John 1, 9. Do so as we stand and sing.